starting then i'll probably stop singing uh ray charles video uh, songs uh we are live on youtube on uh, the comedy schools channel we're live on comedy schools radio network.com and now ladies and gentlemen we are live on facebook live and we are living on a thin line with tony visick i am tony visick we come to you every day at 2 p.m mountain standard time it's actually arizona time because right now arizona's pacific time i go through this every day the more i explain it the more confused people get. Uh, I'm not going to husplain any longer. Two o'clock, my time. My time. That's what matters. Me. I'm what matters. All right, sorry. Went in a little, I went, almost went full Joe Pesci on you. Um, we are your daily distraction from all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla going on in the world today. Uh, we come to you on three platforms, Comedy Schools, Radio Network.com, YouTube, Comedy Schools channel, and Facebook Live, my own personal page. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your pals. Tell your buddies, tell everybody, tell everybody. Shout it from the rooftops, shout it from the mountaintops. Shout, shout. These are the things I want you to talk about. Tell people to like, to request, to be a friend with Tony Visick, V-I-C-I-C-H. And they too will be able to enjoy these afternoon festivities when we take a break from whatever the heck it is we're doing. And I think it's a good time to have a break too. If traditionally you have lunch at 11.30 or 12, you know you're ready to, by 2 o'clock you're done anyway. Have you noticed that if you work in an office, uh, if you work in an office, that you go in in the morning, you hit it hard, you hit it hard, and then you go to lunch, and after that, it's like, oh, okay, just hold my calls. <laughs> you can tell it's a long time since I worked in an office. Hold my calls. No one's holding anybody's calls. No one's working in an office anymore. Uh, but uh, this is a good time to take a break, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, I have nothing to be uh, have any anger or anxiety about right now because I did not watch the news today nor read the news. I've been too busy with the stuff in my personal life. Uh, very excited. I, I spent a good part of the afternoon uh, booking comics on shows. Uh, I want to say this, that I almost enjoy booking other comics on shows as I do performing myself. I might enjoy it a little more at this time. It's just a cool thing to be able to call up someone off from a gig you have to understand that for uh, every one gig there is in a comedy world, there's 100 people that can fill it. There's 100 people that can fill it. So usually 100 people vying for the same job. Same thing in the acting industry. You know, one job and 1,000 people who could actually do the job. So uh, there's very few parts, very few things that only that person could do them. There's a lot of people that can make you laugh that it's choosing uh, with a certain uh, level, with a certain criteria, those that uh, you want to have. And have I got a great lineup shaping up at Arizona's newest comedy club. It's in Gilbert. We call it Greater Phoenix. I think even you know, even out here in Maricopa, we consider that my foot, my foot was caught on a wire there. Uh, we consider it Greater Phoenix. We're in the Phoenix. Just like if you're in Long Beach, you're kind of in, you know, uh, Southern California, you're part of, you're really part of uh, uh, greater Los Angeles, all the way down even into Orange County. So hello, Tina and Mike Lawson. Hello to you, old friends. Hello, my brother, Jerry. Uh, hello to everyone who is watching and listening now and in the future. Um, JP's Comedy Club, I am putting together a great lineup of headliners uh, starting September 17th. September 17th will be the grand opening, soft grand opening of JP's Comedy Club. And uh, yours truly, me, Tony Visick will be uh, the headliner along with uh, Jim Perry. It's going to be a great night with a lot of other guest comics. I love this club, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, so my whole thing is shaking. Ah! 
Were you? Did you have your foot on the? Uh... All right. That was uh, that was like one of those things. Where, wow, what happened? Uh, nothing. A tripod fell over. Maybe it was my foot. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here with the wires underneath. Are you guys okay? That was a little freaky, wasn't it? <laughs> oh my God. The whole studio fell over. It was my phone on a tripod. Don't panic. One of the things that I love about uh, JP's Comedy Club is that uh, we are really utilizing this incredibly diverse, creative, funny, talented. There's the problem right there. All right, we're going to fix that. It's one little wire. There we go. No more worries. Uh, this incredibly funny, diverse, creative, talented pool of comics that live in greater Phoenix. I've been telling people for years, this is just one of the, uh, it's a hotbed of creativity. I know, when you think of hotbeds of creativity, you still don't think of Phoenix. You think of Paris in the 20s, you know, New York in the 60s or 70s or any time in New York. Los Angeles, San Francisco in the 60s, Seattle in the 90s. You know, you don't think of cities like uh, Cincinnati or Cleveland or St. Louis or Phoenix as being hotbeds of creativity. But when it comes to music and comedy, this is one of the, uh, the true hotbeds. And we're going to be able to utilize a lot of those people. Uh, we'll be creating some of those shows on Zoom, live and on Zoom. And a lot of you are going to be able to witness them. And they are darn funny, good shows. So you want to be watching for that. JP's Comedy Club grand opening September 17th. I believe they're going to start doing open mics this week. This week, they'll be doing open mics at JP's Comedy Club. So uh, that's pretty cool as well. So uh, anyway, that's going on. I don't know what's going on. I've been doing that all day, booking that. It's one of my favorite things to do, along with booking some uh, private shows. Um, you know, what's going on is people are just tired of just stuck doing nothing, you know? And uh, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about those people that went out and go, I ain't wearing no mask. I'm going to do what I want. And, you know, some super spreader, super spreader Susie. You've heard of Karen. People go, Karen's. Oh, she's a Karen. She's a Karen. Karens don't bother me. Karen, you know what a Karen is in real life? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads. A Karen is just a woman who is asserting herself. That's all it is. That's, I want to talk to the manager. I've said I want to talk to the manager before. Every time I'm dealing with some company on the phone, eventually I go, all right, is there someone else I may speak with? Nobody calls me a, a Carl. Oh, he's a Carl because he wants to talk to the manager. I talk to the manager because whoever I'm talking to is not giving me what I want. So women who that have now been kind of categorized as people go, I want to talk to the manager and called Karens are nothing more than human beings who feel that they are not getting what they uh, justifiably have a right to, whether it's a better deal on a product or the, uh, the respect that they deserve to be shown as a customer in any sort of service industry. That being said, um, what else can I tell you? Um, Totally lost my train of thought. JP's Comedy Club, September 17th, all right? You're going to want to check that out. Uh, but I have not, um, like I said, I haven't been watching the news today. I don't know what's going on. I didn't get much sleep. Uh, my wife is getting a lot less sleep than my uh, me, uh, Shirley Visick, who just happens to be also the producer of this show. She's not getting much sleep because of uh, Ray, the dumpster cat. I think that should be Ray's full entire name. Ray the dumpster cat this is a cat who probably may have been less than a day old than my wife found in a dumpster. I don't know what my wife was doing rooting around in a dumpster. I got to be honest. I've never gotten to that part of the conversation. I've never said to her, what were you doing in a dumpster? So, 
Actually, she wasn't. Uh, Tina Mike loves this. Welcome to 65. It's been a great show so far. I've knocked over the equipment and have uh, uh, lost myself in mid thought. I'm batting uh, whatever, a number. Pick a number. I'm batting it. It's not a good number, though. Uh, uh, she was uh, uh, actually throwing something in a dumpster a, where someone's doing construction in a house next to where she was and heard the wail and cry, wail and cry of. Uh, of uh, what is now officially known as Ray the Dumpster Cat, who is now, I think, nine days old and doing just fine, in case you're wondering. Um, one of our cats, well, not one of our cats, one of our dogs um, has a little pain going on, and the doctor, the vet, prescribed hydrocone, liquid hydrocone. There is liquid hydrocone in my house. You know how badass that stuff is? One little bottle like that could string you out. I told her, I said, be careful you don't give the dog too much of that or she'll start wanting to play the saxophone. Uh, that will that will now turn you. Hey, baby, what's going on? Bow wow, a bow wow, baby. Hey, baby, it's bow wow. Hey, how about we have some snacks and treats? Uh, she'll become a snagglepuss. And she'll become she'll become Sammy Davis Jr. as Snagglepuss. I was talking to my friend Doug Starks. By the way, if you can remember the name Doug Starks, a friend of mine, Doug Starks, has a great variety show now online. A variety show, full on music, dancing, comedy everything online i mean he puts on a big production out of uh, i believe the coach house or the coach house area or the people with the legendary coach house in san juan capistrano uh christopher bennett says karen is morphed into a woman that calls the police on black people or doing absolutely nothing wrong yeah there was that woman in central park absolutely without a doubt there was that woman in central park but i don't think that's what all karens have morphed into karens are you know what I, you know, let's talk about this for a second. Bias is wrong. Prejudice is wrong. Preconceived. Coming to, uh, coming to conclusions without, uh, without studying the facts of the matter is wrong. Making decisions about what a human being is or was or says or does just based on the looks or appearance is wrong. I know it's wrong. You know it's wrong. We should not do it. Okay? And we shouldn't put people down for their looks, the color of their skin, the sound of their voice. Their physical abilities, it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Here's the weird thing. Here's the weird thing, okay? That part of being human comes out somewhere. It comes out somewhere. And as I started seeing this whole movement of calling uh, a certain type of a woman, usually a Caucasian woman, Karens, oh, she's a Karen, oh, she's a Karen, she's a Karen, okay? It was a way of calling bitch, oh, she's a bitch. Shut up, bitch. It came from that. Okay, I go, it's the same thing. Maybe not as uh, vitriolic, maybe without the same power or weight or authority behind it. Because when you call someone uh, who is a minority uh, a disparaging name, there's a certain amount of weight of authority, unfortunately, very much unfortunately behind it. But when you call a woman a Karen, it's not much different than calling uh, um, uh, a Me uh, someone who's Mexican a disparaging name or an African-American. It's not much different in its intent and in its comfort to those who are calling it because it makes you feel good to think you're better than someone. So think about it a second time. The woman who called the cop on the guy in Central Park, uh, that was horrific. The guy was a bigger man because he said, you need to leave this woman alone now. She made a mistake. She lost her job. She lost everything. There's too much of that going on in the world today, ladies and gentlemen. Too much of people's, you know, you could rob a bank you can attempt to murder someone 
All right? And you will be able to go back to leading a normal life sooner than a lot of people who are then attacked and disparaged on social media and have their lives destroyed. There's this woman, I can't remember her name, but she was Melania Trump's best friend. Now you could go, oh, she shouldn't have a friend like Melania Trump, but maybe she should, maybe she shouldn't. Maybe Melania Trump was one thing and then became something else. But uh, she became the scapegoat. She became the fall guy for what appears to be millions of dollars missing from uh, Donald J. Trump's inauguration, up to $40 million unaccounted for. And they decided to blame it on her. And when she talked to Melania about it, Melania goes, well, that's just the way it's going to be. You're going to be the fall guy. Wow. Wow. Everybody's looking for a fall guy. Everybody's looking for a scapegoat. And usually if you're looking for a fall guy or a scapegoat, they have done nothing wrong. But they're just the ones that have the least ability to defend themselves. Yet this woman is uh, Stephanie Wiskoff. Stephanie Wiskoff. Yeah, sure. You know what? And uh, uh, Tina and Mike Lawson, Chris Bennett, those of us from Jefferson County, Missouri, uh, Stephanie Wiscoff probably wouldn't have given us the time of day four or five years ago. She probably thought she was better than us. You know, they, uh, um, you know, came from a kind of a Brahmin society. All right. But that doesn't mean that she should have her life destroyed because she was friends with some people and they wanted to steal and blame her and blame her. And this woman who called the police on the guy in Central Park, the guy said, you need to leave her alone. You need to back off. She made a mistake. She's learned her lesson. She's probably a better person for it. You know, my whole life, especially growing up, when Christianity and Catholicism had a much stronger influence on our society, we saw it as a negative. We saw it as restrictive. They wanted to restrict our activities. They wanted to restrict our thought processes. They wanted to tell us how to live. And we didn't want that. We didn't want the church telling us how to live. And we fought against it. And for most of society, that is now true. The church does not have the same impact in a lot of people's lives that it had when I was a little kid. Christianity has for, a, 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 and I'm not talking about the people, I'm talking about the philosophies of Christianity have lost their influence in Western society. And the secular humanist, which I consider myself to be, took hold. But Christianity has something that secular humanism doesn't have. And that is the concept of forgiveness. We have now moved towards a society that does not forgive. We have now moved towards a society that does not forget. We have now moved towards a society that refuses to allow healing. We have now moved towards a society that will dig through someone's past to find the smallest, smallest of snafu. Or to take something that was done 25 or 30 years ago and then try to project upon it some sort of whatever the new morality is, upon that, and then destroy that. So even if you're like me and you view the church with jaundiced eye, you cannot deny that at least within Christianity, 
there is the concept of forgiveness. And maybe that lady who called the cops on that guy in Central Park deserves our forgiveness. He thinks so. He thinks so. Let's see what we got here. Joanna Visick says, no one should ever call someone names, especially if meant with negative intentions. We need to lead by example, treat others the way you want to be treated. That's true, Joanna. As a comic, as a comic, I say, Joanna, uh, unless you enjoy being treated uh, like shit. So <laughs> if you know those people go, I want people to treat me the way I treat myself and I hate myself. Well, then we got a problem. All right, just a little common courtesy, just a little common decency. Um, you know, the place uh, for a long time, the accepted place in modern society for inappropriate language was the world of stand-up comedy. And now you got comics who are being uh, uh, castigated for uh, what they may have said uh, that was perfectly acceptable or was said to be said in a room full of people or said to be said on a recording that was to be played in someone's home uh, only by people who decide they want to listen to it uh, is being uh, uh, used against them. You know, it's kind of a weird time. I was talking to my brother about something last night. He was talking about how, you know, how there's a whole generation of boomers being canceled by cancel culture. And oddly enough, we did the same thing with the generation before us. Those of us who came up in the 60s didn't want to listen to anybody who had been through the Depression or World War II. We didn't listen to your old man and your stories. And there's a lot of that going on now. But I uh, pointed out to him, and I say this to you, Jerry, okay, for you and I both, ain't nobody canceling me. All right, man. I don't know how we went there, but we went there. That's where we went. Hey, um, and we're going to continue finding ways for people to enjoy themselves, forgive themselves, and have fun. We're going to do that. We're going to continue finding ways for people to enjoy themselves, forgive themselves and others, and have fun. And one of the best ways to do that is to have a laugh. And that's why I'm so excited about JP's Comedy Club. Please check out their Facebook page. I don't think Jim's got his website up yet, but uh, please check out the uh, uh, Facebook page. It's going to be a really great environment for creativity and fun and laughter coming up. Hey, let's, um, what do I want to talk about now? Um, I want to talk about the music. Uh, someone said they were waiting for a bobblehead. I don't have a bobblehead for you today, okay? I can't take that. I can't take the bobblehead pressure anymore. There's too much bobblehead pressure. Every day, you people want a new bobblehead. Do you know how much space these bobbleheads take up now? They have taken over my office. The other day, they were having a meeting, and they threw me out. They were in a Bobbleheads Anonymous meeting, and I would not identify as a Bobblehead, and they threw me out. I was thrown out of my own office by Bobbleheads because I would not identify as a Bobblehead, and so they said this was a closed meeting for Bobbleheads only. <laughs> I've got like 60 damn Bobbleheads in this office now, and I've done it for you people. I don't like Bobbleheads. I don't like the first damn thing about them. I don't like where, I don't like they stand all motionless and their heads just move. I don't trust them. I don't trust him. I got one here, but I've showed it to you before. Mo from the Three Stooges. Look at that. Look at that. Would you trust that? Look at that. Does that look like an honest man to you? No. Look at that, YouTubers. You hear that? You hear that? ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com? You hear that coming at you? Can you wait? Imagine waking up in the middle of the night and there was like 20 bobbleheads sitting at the edge of your bed going, we're not happy with what you've been saying about us on the radio. That would be weird. Um... So I don't have a bobblehead for you today. I'm not going to say I've been looking for bobbleheads. Now, I will not order bobbleheads over the internet. We did order Mo. all right? Every rule is made to be broken on occasion. Mo was ordered, but that was so to co complete the set because we had a Larry and a Curly. Um, 
<laughs> Tina Mike Law says, you're going to lose a following if you get some. <laughs> See, it's a monstrosity. These things are monsters. They'll take over your life. Bobbleheads. You know what? I'm not going to lose a, a, because I've got a cool music to talk to you about. Uh, every day at this time, what I do is I recommend two artists or two pieces of music based off my vast and deep and diverse vinyl album collection. True, we have uh, featured some CDs because did you guys think this was going to last this long? This lockdown? This semi-lockdown? This pseudo-lockdown? Do you think it was going to be screwed up this bad by the people who run things? And some have done a good job. Do you think you were going to feel like, Christ, I think I'm on my own. I'm on my own. I now have to decide based on all this information coming at me what's going to be best for me and my family. I didn't think it was going to last this long. We started doing this stuff. Well, we'll do it until the lockdowns end of quarantine, until they figure out a way, until they figure out that what has to be done to get a handle on this until there's a definite proven vaccine is testing, tracing, treatment, vaccine. Say it with me. This is how you get a handle on a pandemic. First, there's the quarantine, the lockdown. Then there's testing. Those are, then you trace. Once you trace, those who have it are put in some form of isolation, usually just staying in the house. It's how they got a hold of tuberculosis at one time and other pandemics. It's tried and true throughout the centuries. Testing, tracing, treatment, vaccine. But oh no, not in this country, not in the 21st century. It's test, don't test, too many tests. Too many, if we didn't test, so the insanity, the insanity of a statement like, you know, if we didn't test so many people, we wouldn't have so many cases. And then anybody listens to that and doesn't go, it's fucking insane. That's just nuts. Okay? People going, if I'm not sick, why should I be tested? To find out if you're going to get sick. Just like to find out if one of those things on your head, you have them test to find out if they're precancerous when they start farming up. No, let them go until the cancer is rotted into your brain. Same thing with COVID. Don't even get tested. Just walk around making out with people until you're all laying together. Maybe it's supposed to be some sort of hospital orgy people are planning where they all enjoy laying uh, with a tube up their mouth and their ass in the air. I don't know, man. But anyway, I didn't, we didn't think we'd be here this long. We didn't think we'd ever make it through our entire album collection. We haven't, but we've gotten to some pretty esoteric stuff now. So we have been mixing in CDs as well. Let's get to the music. Who am I going to recommend to you today? First off, just because I love this album cover. There you go. Nothing says the 60s more than an album cover like that. And no voice. I'm not going to say no voice was as popular, but one of the most popular voices in the 60s. One another than Mr. Smokey Robinson. This was Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. You know, like a lot of uh, uh, the trajectory of a lot of things, to start out as the Miracles, then Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, then just Smokey Robinson, then just Smokey. Um, little uh, tidbit, I used to live in Chatsworth, California, and I lived uh, where Topanga Canyon ends up in the hills. Topanga Canyon runs from the ocean to the hills of Chatsworth in Los Angeles, through the breadth of uh, uh, Topanga Canyon, through the San Fernando Valley and up into the hills. And I lived in a, a really cool uh, condo up there 
that was beautiful. It was just a, a magical place. And off to my left in the distance were a bunch of mansions. You couldn't, they, they not so much had ruined the aesthetic of looking out into this, uh, the California uh, scrub hills. But there were uh, these mansions, and Smokey Robinson lived in one of those mansions. Never met him, never saw him. It was him, George Lucas, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt's dad. Uh, no, Val Kilmer's dad, I'm sorry. Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer's dad. I think he's the one who developed it. Uh, but Smokey Robinson, I live near Smokey Robinson. This is an album from the 60s. This is, on the back, it says, The Sound of Young America. It's on the Tamla label. Tamla is a trademark of the Motown Record Corporation. Um... Other albums available for your listening uh, pleasure were uh, uh, The Miracles doing Mickey's Monkey. That was early. The Miracles um, from the beginning. Greatest hits from the beginning. Miracles, uh, The Miracles going to a go-go. And The Miracles uh, away we a go-go. And then this, Make It Happen. And there's a lot of great tunes on here. But the big, the monster, the one that stays with us, the one that stayed with us from the day we heard it. Up until now is, of course, I just saw it. I was looking at it. Uh, Tears of a Clown. Tears of a Clown is one of those songs that when you hear it once, you never forget it again. And every time you hear it, you go, that's a good song. They knew how to put together a record in Detroit in those days. So we're recommending, if you haven't gone and listened to The Miracles or Smokey Robinson Miracles, YouTube that. Look at some of their television uh, uh, performances. This looks like it's from a live performance on the cover. Cover photograph was done by a guy named Frank Dandridge. I wonder if Frank's still alive. There was a man sitting in an audience who took this picture. And it became an album cover. And on that album was one of the biggest hits to ever come out of Motown or out of American music, Tears of a Clown. So, uh, anyway, I just, I love that album cover, so I thought I'd show it to you. So, it's true that when Motown was in vogue, I was a very young guy, and I was more of a rock and roll guy. Rock guy, not rock and roll. Rock and roll was different than rock. I was a rock guy. And my appreciation of Motown probably really developed strongly in my early 20s. And really developed, listen to the four tops. I'm not talking about, you know, mass hits by Stevie Wonder and stuff like that talking about those groups, and going back and revisiting Diana Ross and the Supremes, going, damn, this was good. You know, you're early 20s living in Hollywood, living in L.A., someone's having a party at their house, and they put on some Diana Ross and the Supremes uh, music. People started dancing. They just started dancing. Okay? So my, uh, my uh, appreciation developed a little later, not when I was in my early teens or my adolescence or pre-adolescence. What I was listening to at that time was this guy and his band. That's Alvin Lee. That's 10 years after. Okay, a trio. One of the, no, I'm sorry, a quartet. A quartet coming to us out of England. Once again, one of those English bands that had embraced the type of American music that all of America had not embraced yet. And I'm talking about black blues music. I'm talking about black rhythm and blues music. I'm talking about the music came out of the plantations of uh, Mississippi and uh, the Delta of Mississippi and out of the uh, uh, nightclubs of Chicago. But these guys in England did. They knew it was something, and they played it, and they fed it back to us. And one of the greatest practitioners of the guitar, of blues guitar, lightning quick, yet every note counting, was Alvin Lee of 10 years after. On this particular album, side one, we got You Give Me Lovin', which is a great blues rave up. Okay? Convention Prevention. 
Turned off TV blues, standing at the station. That's another great blues song. You can't win them all. Religion, Tomorrow I'll Be Out of Town, Rock and Roll Music to the World, which is the title of this album. But my favorite of it is Choo Choo Mama. Choo Choo Mama going right on the train. So if you want to hear what was going on in the 60s, uh, because now a lot of times if you're going to listen to album-oriented rock, classic rock, you think it's all Doors, Led Zeppelin, Crosby, Stills, Nash. You know, uh, that's what you think it is. These guys were some of the most popular players. An immortal performance by Alvin Lee of I'm Going Home at Woodstock. One of the great, great, great recorded performances of a man at the top of his game on his guitar. Many years after that, in the 90s, my brother, as a birthday present, took me to a uh, concert at the Greek in Los Angeles that featured, um, I want to say it that one, uh, it featured uh, 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 Steppenwolf and Alvin Lee. And there may have been more. Jerry would know exactly. He remembers those sort of things. I get a little foggy on it. And he was just as good then. Why he is not mentioned in the same breath as Eric Clapton or Jimmy Page, I do not know. Uh, funny things happen to careers. Some of them have nothing to do with uh, the man or the artist. Some of it has to do with legality. Uh, Standing in the Station is one of the best trained songs ever. All right, so my brother Jerry knows this well. He is a true Alvin Lee fan. So I would really recommend that. Uh, I'm going to recommend Choo Choo Mama. <coughs> and Jerry is recommending Standing at the Station. Roger McGuinn was at that concert. That's right. It was one of those kill a bunch of birds with one stone. See the guy from the birds, see Steppenwolf, see Alvin Lee. It was a great night, Jerry. I still appreciate it to this day. So we're recommending listen to Tears of Clown by Smokey Robinson Miracles and from 10 years after Choo Choo Mama and Standing at the Station. Please check those out. You'll be glad you did. It'll bring a little sunshine into your life. Hey, man, uh, tune in every day to find out more. Pretty soon, I'm going to tell you how you'll be able to win free tickets to see JP's Comedy Club. Maybe a free Zoom ticket if you live someplace other than the greater Phoenix area. But if you live in the greater Phoenix area, uh, you want to start getting ready to buy tickets to see these shows now. Limited seating because of social distancing, but live and happening for you.